Hey Siri, define floxanasanihilipilification. Floxanasanihilipilification is a rare term that means the action or habit of estimating something as worthless. In other words, buying an inflatable dartboard or going to Corali Feedery for a garbage plate. Hey everybody, welcome to Northridge Church. My name's Aaron Hickson, I'm glad that you're here with us. I have the privilege of leading our Henrietta campus, so of course I always wanna say hi to the Henrietta family. In fact, I think we might even have some of our Henrietta family with us here in Aronacoit this week. Welcome you guys, we have a bunch of college students uh, checking out our church this weekend. And whether you're joining us online or from any of our campuses, we are glad that you're here as we finish up this series called In Other Words where we've been defining a bunch of Christianese terms that uh, don't really get used in other contexts, and we want to make sure we're all on the same page as we understand them together. Um, you, you might hear words like salvation, or atonement, or incarnation, or omniscience at church or at NYM, and we just want to make sure that we all understand these important Bible words um, so that we're, we're moving forward together. Um, and we're going to define another important word this morning. But before we do that, I want to take a moment and just ask you, um, have you ever had an experience like this where uh, you get into something and, and you're all locked in, you're ready to go, and then you find out <clears throat> about some expectation or requirement that was not clearly explained before you signed on the dotted line? You ever been in a situation like that? Uh, you know, like, oh, that would have been good to know beforehand. Like that kind of thing. Maybe, for instance, like in a silly way, you're playing a board game and somebody does, you've never played before, and the, the person who's teaching you like does this insane move and they basically win the game. And you're like, I had no idea you could do that. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about this awesome move that you can do that wins all the time. Sick. Like, thanks for explaining that. That would have been really good to know beforehand. Appreciate that. Um, I actually asked my wife for an illustration of this, and she's hilarious. This is what she said. Um, from our marriage, <laughs> I'm, I'm not the manliest guy, uh, as evidenced by my lack of beard-growing skills. And I was well into my 20s before it was ever really even an option to consider growing a beard. And I, I finally got there. I was to a place where I was shaving more than, like, annually, and... I decided, like, this is my moment. I'm going to try growing a beard. And so I told her, I'm like, hey, Lauren, I'm going, I'm going to grow a beard. And she uh, told me right away, like, as I was going to do this, she's like, oh, no, no, you're not growing a beard. I hate the way your face feels when you don't shave. It's too spiky. And I was like, what? And, like, the room started to spin. I had, like, this crisis moment, like, confused. Who is this woman that I've married? Like, what have I done? You know, that would have been good to know beforehand. This was not in the pre-marriage agreement. Like, what is going on here? I'm going to spend the rest of my life with a baby face. Like, what is going, what is happening? And um, it's possible I overreacted. Um, but uh, with no warning, the game had been changed, right? And so that can happen in a lot of areas of our life. Um, but we've all had experiences like this, yes? Where you get into a new job, and you find out that your boss expects you to work every weekend if you're going to get a promotion. Or, or you're hired to work with fourth graders, and now you're working with sixth graders. Like, oh, okay. Or, uh, you, you know, you, you 
try out for the soccer team and you make it only to find out you can't go home over Thanksgiving break because there's practices over Thanksgiving break. Or uh, maybe you download an app only to find out that you're going to get like 200 email notifications a day for the rest of your life. Or you buy a plane ticket only to find out that if you would like to come with anything, you'll need to pay like $300 in hidden fees. So um, those are the situations like, wow, that would have been really good to know beforehand. Especially when you're already invested and you're, you're kind of locked in and you find out about expectations. <clears throat> it's sometimes frustrating when you are things you wish you had known beforehand. And today's word is a little bit like that when it comes to Christianity. It's a word that catches some people by surprise, especially people maybe who are, are newer to faith or even people who have been following Jesus for a while. They can say like, wow, I, I kind of wish I had known that. Like, I wish I had known this before we got started. And it can create some tension for people. But I'm hoping uh, that by the end of our time today, instead of this word creating guilt or pressure or tension, uh, instead it will create hope and excitement and anticipation. So uh, let's jump in and define the word. The word we're going to be defining this morning is the word sanctification. Sanctification. And if you've been around church, you might have heard this word. If not, no problem. That's, that's why we're here, is to define it. Um, it's a longish word. If you want to write it down in your notes or um, jot it into the app, however you're following along, that's great. Um, autocorrect might be helpful <laughs> as you spell it. But uh, it just simply means, actually, the process of becoming more holy. The sanctification just means the process of becoming more holy. And that's a really nice sounding definition, assuming you know what holy means. But what does holiness mean? Uh, I think it's only helpful if we know all these words. So let's get on the same page about the word holy. Interestingly enough, the noun sanctification, the verb sanctify, and the word holy all come from the same word in the original language. Um, so it, you could actually, when you're talking about sanctification, you could say holyfying or holyizing. I mean, those obviously aren't words in English, but that's the concept. You could say it that way. Um, there are related terms. But again, maybe you don't know what holy means, so let's define that. Um, the word holy just means purposefully set apart. Purposefully set apart. That's what holy means. Uh, like something that has been set aside for a specific pur purpose. Um, like maybe that pair of shoes that you only wear when this outfit is looking fresh. Or um, the pair of sweatpants that only your roommate will ever see you wear. Um, or maybe the car that you only drive when it's sunny out. So like twice a year. Um, or maybe like there's a, a, a weekend where you would never plan to hang out with your friends because that is a day that you always do whatever with your family. Those, are, those things are holy. <clears throat> They're set apart from the rest. They're holy pants. They are holy shoes. They're, it's a holy car. That's a holy day. A holiday. Maybe that's not a coincidence. It's not. That's the meaning of the word. Okay. Uh, and in the context of church, when something is described as holy, that means it's specifically set apart from sin. Um, it's set apart specifically that. So when God himself is described as being holy, it means he's separate from sin. He can't interact with it at all. He's completely holy. Um, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3 says this. It says, holy, holy, holy. Or like super, super, super holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
So there is zero overlap between God and sin. If God and sin were displayed on a Venn diagram, there would be zero interaction or overlap between the two circles, okay? That's the idea of holiness in the Bible. And so sanctification is the process of becoming more set apart, more holy. Uh, It's a Christ follower becoming more and more separate or distinct from sinful things. It's basically the process of becoming more like Jesus, And this process of development, it isn't really unique to Christianity. Because every area of our life, um, every arena has a development process, right? Artists become more artistic. Teachers become better at classroom management. Um, Mechanics become more skilled at diagnosing and and solving problems. Uh, Every goal, every job has a goal that it's working toward, a process that you go through to achieve the goal. Well, with the Christian life, the goal just happens to be to be more like God, and God is holy. So the process of becoming more Christian is the process of becoming more like God, and so the process of becoming more like God is the process of becoming more holy. Hence, sanctification. That's what the term means. Holy-izing, increasing in God-likeness. Now, it shouldn't come as a surprise to us Uh, that this does not happen overnight. (laughs) Uh, In fact, we often pair the word sanctification with the word progressive because uh, progressive sanctification, you slowly progress toward holiness. At least that's definitely the way the Bible talks about it. Um, In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, for instance, here's one example. It says, And we all who contemplate the Lord's glory, it says we are being transformed into his image, with ever-increasing glory. We're being transformed with ever-increasing glory, one step at a time, more and more reflective of Jesus and of his character. And so what this passage, and many like it, are emphasizing is just this statement, that sanctification is a process. Sanctification is a process. And as we contemplate, um, or as some translations say, reflect God's glory, We become more and more like him with slightly but consistently increased accuracy over time. Another passage is Galatians chapter 5, which says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wow, (laughs) it's a lot of things. But this is a description of things that people who are becoming more like Jesus tend to do, things they tend to produce. This is the illustration of fruit or of growing things. So if you were a tree, and you were a tree that loved Jesus, here's a bunch of things that you should be growing on your little Jesus-loving tree limbs. Love, joy, peace, okay? That's what this is saying. It's a process of growing more and more fruit that looks like Jesus. Um, Here's another example from Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So this is a letter, this is an excerpt of a letter from the most prolific leader in the early Jesus movement. Uh, His name is Paul. And he wrote this letter to a group of Christians and what he's doing is urging them, commanding them, what did he tell them to do? To live a life worthy of the calling. In other words, to live up to the standard. This is what this leader commands them to do. Well, what's the standard? 
Well, he defines part of it in the next verse. Ephesians 4 verse 2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Wow, that's, that's a high standard, right? That's what he's describing here that they need to live up to. That's the process that he was calling these believers, commanding these believers to be part of. In another letter, he wrote this, 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you, set you apart, holyize you through and through. May your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's praying that God would make them more godlike. But to what degree more godlike? Well, he's praying that every single component part of their body and their existence be without blame. Wow, this is getting really serious, right? So sanctification is a process, the process of becoming more like Jesus, more holy. And to be honest, that's a lot. Like those passages make me nervous because I, that's definitely not how I always, completely blameless, who, you, you're not talking to me, because that is not me. And this word carries the idea of being more and more like Jesus all the time. And I'm thinking, is that, is that like a requirement of being a Christ follower? Like, how necessary is it that I be always blameless, always growing, in, increasing in how well I reflect God's glory, showing love and joy and peace all the time? Was that in the contract? Like, when I signed up, that would have been good to know. When I signed on, man, I was hearing a lot about how God forgives my sins and Jesus is alive and he's going to give me hope and he'll change my life and things are going to get better. But based on this idea of sanctification, well, if, if this is a requirement, my track record is starting to make me nervous. I'm personally starting to sweat, which if you know me well, isn't that unusual. But, um, but I'm feeling the pressure like what we said at the beginning, like when you find out things that would have been nice to know way earlier, it kind of creates this angst. Like if I had known that I wasn't going to be able to have like a Viking beard when I married Lauren, that would have been good to know. Because I mean, I think I've got the potential. Um, but sanctification can feel like a bait and switch, right? We heard all about freedom and then we find out about a bunch of really high expectations like blamelessness and holiness those are really high expectations. Expectations that for some people, that might have been, that might have kept them from ever signing on in the first place. Because high expectations have a tendency to create a cycle for some people. High expectations lead to pressure. Pressure. Granted, everyone responds to these pressures differently, but for a lot of people, I think this is how it goes down. When high expectations are placed on you, especially after you're already locked in, it creates stress or pressure. And it reminds me of this guy um, whose name is David Price. He is a starting pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big baseball fan, big Red Sox fan. If you're a Yankees fan, though, be encouraged. I'm about to bash our guy, okay? Um, his name's David Price, and he, we acquired him a few years ago through a contract that was a seven-year contract for $217 million. He was the, and is, we, I think to this day, still the highest paid pitcher in Major League Baseball history. He earns 30 to $31 million a year, which when you start getting specific, that means every time he plays in a game, they pay him a million dollars. That's a lot of money. Okay, that's like every time he throws the baseball, 
They pay him $10,000. How good does a $10,000 pitch need to be? Pretty good, right? Like, it better be real good. What do I have to do to get on the $10,000 pitch thing? Like, I want in, okay? I'll just, like, roll it a bunch of times. I don't care. It's a lot of money. But let me ask you, how much pressure is David Price under if every pitch is $10,000? He better be under a lot of pressure. From who? Well, from me, because I'm not going to lie. He can't beat the Yankees, and it's driving me nuts, Okay, he's ter- literally, he's awful against the Yankees. We're paying him $10,000 a pitch. Let's go. But fans, man, the media, man, his coach, whoever signs that check had better have some high expectations for this guy, some pressure. Does David Price feel it? Yeah, he does feel it. I can tell you that because what it results in for David Price and for many of us is that pressure results in poor performance. David Price has been mediocre at best. He's spent a better part of the last couple seasons injured from overthrowing the ball in an effort to meet the demands of this contract. He gets like yelled at by the media and then he yells back and then he pitches even worse. It's just been awful. He's been terrible. I feel like this is counseling. Um, But his first couple years were not good. Because it's hard to perform well under high-pressure situations. It's not a pretty sight. Because you're asking these questions all the time. Like, how is this going to turn out? Will, Will I be successful? Will I live up to the hype? And these questions bring pressure. And in this case, it resulted in poor performance. David Price signed a contract that was supposed to create a process where he slowly became better and better and better at pitching until he was the best that there ever was. It's a process. But it's a process with Absolutely no security, because he could get cut. He could be terrible. He could be the best pitcher of all time, or this could be his final season, and I wouldn't be that mad, okay? It's a process, but with no guarantee, and many, many, many people fail in situations and cycles like this. They feel the burn. They understand the expectations. The pressure is mounting, and they collapse under the weight of what they believe that they must do, and sanctification is no exception. People place their faith in Christ, but the expectations of spiritual growth create pressure. And we experience the same dynamic, I think, sometimes uh, when you're watching a good movie. Maybe somebody has recommended to you, they're like, oh my goodness, you have to see The Greatest Showman. It's the best movie of all time. You're like, okay, whatever, I'll watch it. And um, I will not be singing any of the songs from Greatest Showman right now. Take a deep breath. (laughs) Collective sigh of relief. Um, But whatever it is, you go in and you're going to watch this film um, and and maybe you're really enjoying it. No matter what movie it is, it's really well made. You're getting invested in the characters emotionally and like things are going well and you're loving the movie and then all of a sudden something bad happens. Killmonger, he dethrones T'Challa or uh, Scar throws Mufasa into this stampede or Katniss volunteers as tribute or Frodo gets to the the lip of Mount Doom and refuses to throw in the ring to destroy it. And in this moment, you guys catch on those references? Please tell me you caught those, okay? (laughs) I got so nervous. (sighs) Okay. So all of a sudden, you're in the process of watching this movie, but you have no idea how it's going to end. There's no guarantee that this movie is going to end up being happy. And so these questions start popping up. How is it going to turn out? Will they be successful? Will he live? Will Simba become the king he needs to be and rule the Pride Lands? And if you were to press the 
press pause on the movie right there, there's pressure. Your stomach's in knots. You're sweating. You gotta know what happens. Or, or David Price, after his fifth start and he's tanking, he's nervous, he's feeling the pressure. The fans, his home fans are booing. And there's so much pressure because there's a process going on and no one knows for sure how it's going to end. But what if in that moment, the pressure were gone? What if, what if no one was asking those questions? What if you already knew how the movie ended or how the season was going to happen? Well, in order for that to happen, right, you would need a spoiler. You would have to know how the story ends. Like if someone just leaned over to you, now this might be a little annoying in a movie, but if someone just leans over to you like, hey, it's fine, the ring gets destroyed in the end, okay, it's fine. Or they're like, no, no, don't, don't worry, T'Challa learns from Killmonger and he uses Wakanda's resources and they, they benefit, you know, the whole world. It's great, it's fine. Take a deep breath. I've seen this movie. Now, again, in a movie, it might be a little frustrating, but um, with David Price, what if somebody could come to him and say, dude, just so you know, I know for sure you're going to become the best pitcher in the league by the end of this season. And they knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt. What would happen to David Price's confidence if he all of a sudden knew for sure that his season would end successfully? Wouldn't it change everything? I mean, you could just sit back and enjoy the film if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the character that you love would make it out alive, that all would be well. You would be a different person. You'd be able to have enjoyment. Instead of a process that's just open-ended with no guarantee about how it's going to end or who's going to die or who's going to win, you'd be in a process, but it'd be in a process with a guarantee. And I think that would change the game. Because you would know, know how, no matter how crazy this plot gets, no matter how many games in a row you lose, somehow, some way, everything turns out right. Now, I think you'd need reminders. You might have to pause the movie and just remember like, okay, I know it doesn't look good, but Katniss ends up with PETA. I know, okay, it's going to be okay. Spoiler, if you haven't seen it. Team PETA. Um, but then you could just keep on going. Or take a deep breath. Hey, don't boo him yet. Don't cut his contract. He's going to improve. Things are going to get better. Just remember the spoiler. If you had 100% confidence in how the story would end, then the process becomes much more enjoyable. So much less stress. So much less pressure. All because you had a guarantee. And our spiritual growth is a lot like that. We have this big contract up front. You know, we get saved and it's this get out of hell free card and Jesus was willing to die for you and you feel the incredible freedom that that reality brings and so there's this big contract, we're feeling excited and, and then the expectations come out and the people tell you that there's expectations that you grow for the rest of your life and they call it sanctification and you have to keep improving spiritually or else. And it's going to take your whole life. It's going to take every minute of every day of the rest of your whole life. And all of a sudden, you're feeling pressure. You're caught in this process called spiritual growth. And it's got no guarantee. It's got no spoiler. And so these questions come out again. Like, how's it going to turn out? Will I be successful? Will I live up to the hype? And then the process gets rough all of a sudden. Because there's the high expectations leading to pressure. And then you cave just once. But you cave. And you look at porn again or you drink too much again, or you lie again, or you, you fight with your parents again, and you, you feel the guilt begin to set in. 
You remember the high price of the contract and how Jesus died for you, how you're supposed to be growing as a Christian, not getting worse. But this sanctification process has no end in sight and no guarantee, and the pressure just gets higher and higher. And before you know it, your performance is getting worse and worse. So porn again and lie again and steal again and cheat again, and you find yourself buried under the pressure of the expectations then these questions are plaguing you even more. How is this going to turn out? Will I be successful? Am I even forgiven? Have you been there before? Man, I have. But what if those questions were gone? What if those pressures were gone once and for all? What if this process had a guarantee or if your story had a spoiler? <laughs> Here's the thing. I am so excited to tell you this morning that your story does have a spoiler. This process does have a guarantee. And it was buried in the contract. We just didn't realize it. We thought the contract was just like the get saved moment. It was a one-time thing that started this whole deal. And the news about Jesus dying was just something for people to believe once and then jump on the hamster wheel of never-ending growth and sanctification for the rest of their life. But it turns out that this contract actually had a guarantee and it had a spoiler about how your story ends. And the spoiler is this, that you have been declared righteous. You are fully forgiven. Your team wins. Nothing you can do can separate you from God's love because Jesus was perfect in your place. And so your debt has been fully paid. Romans chapter eight, verse one says this, that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's none left. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives you life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And the Bible also says in Hebrews 10, it says, for by one sacrifice, he, that's Jesus, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That phrase right there, being made holy, that's the word sanctification. And it's saying that we have been made perfect, and that's the spoiler. That's the incredible guarantee. There is no condemnation. But that verse also says that while we've been made perfect forever, that we are also those who are being made holy, like in an active sense. So how is that possible? How is it that we are perfect and being made perfect? Well, Um, there's a tension that we're forced to live with in this life that we've, many of us have experienced, that we are already saved and we are being saved. There's an already already and not yet tension that exists in our lives. God has made us holy by accepting Jesus' death in our place, but he is also making us holy by drawing us closer to himself every day. So in that sense, it's fair to say that we are both being sanctified and we have been sanctified sanctified. There's an apparent contradiction that exists in the meaning of this word, but that's the glory of the freedom that it brings us. That yes, it is true that sanctification is a process, but now we get to complete that sentence, something that's been driving many of you nuts since we passed those blanks. That this is a process, and we are being set apart every single day, and we must work to become more holy. But then again, at the same time, There is no pressure because while it is a process, it is a process with a guarantee. It's a process with a guarantee. God has promised us that there is no condemnation for those who are his children. 
So no matter how many twists the plot takes, no matter how crazy your story gets, no matter how many times you fall, your only hope of making it through the process is to pause and to remember the guarantee. Pause the movie. Remember the spoiler. God has already sanctified you. He has already accepted you. He has. You can't earn it because it's been given freely to you. Don't try to work for your forgiveness. Walk in it. Live in it. We have to stop believing this lie in the midst of this process. And the lie is that good people go to heaven. Such a common lie that good people go to heaven. And if you believe that, you will spend the rest of your life buried under pressure. You have to perform to keep up this contract. But the fact is, the truth is that good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And you... Christ's followers have been fully and completely forgiven. The only criteria necessary to spend eternity with God has been fully satisfied in your case. That's the good news. That's, that's what the word gospel means, is good news. And for those of us today who have placed our faith in Jesus, if Jesus is your forgiver and your leader and you've committed your life to pleasing him, then you are forgiven because of him. So your only hope, our only hope, in the process of sanctification is to realize that it is a process with a guarantee. And forgiven people are the ones that go to heaven. So you do not have to live your life with pressure. You can enjoy the process of sanctification because the pressure's off. There's no wondering about the outcome. You don't have to have the poor performance that comes from the guilt and the shame of not meeting all these high expectations. You can have the enjoyment that comes with a spoiler. I know how this story ends. I have a guarantee in the gospel. So what does this mean for us? Um, I think if you're here today and you're a Christ follower, I think it means a couple of things. And first off, and maybe most importantly, it means that we must preach ourselves the gospel every day. If you want to grow, you must preach yourself the gospel every day. You have to remember the spoiler. You have to pause the movie. Take a deep breath. Start every morning and remember how this story ends. Remember the reality of your situation. Preach yourself. What do we mean by that? Well, to preach just really means to declare God's truth. And so we need to declare or to state the truth of things, the state of reality to ourselves every day. Rather than just listening to what we think or to what we feel. Instead, we need to inform ourselves, tell ourselves what to think and what to believe. Destroy the lie that is so easily entangled in our souls that good people go to heaven. And remember that you have to be forgiven to go to heaven. And if you're a Christ follower, you've been forgiven. And so you can feel the joy and the relief and the gratitude that comes from knowing a final guarantee. It is the only motive that will sustain you through this process and the lifetime of sanctification. I can tell you, guilt will fail you. Hustle will fail you. Shame will fail you. Duty will fail you. And by default, you and I will constantly go back to the mentality that we must earn God's forgiveness. And when we believe that lie that good people go to heaven, when we believe it when we're not constantly reminded that it's forgiven people who spend their eternity with God. The process only works when you remember the process has a guarantee. There's a spoiler. Forgiven people go to heaven. You've been forgiven. Can you imagine the deep breath that could give you every day? So step one, if you want to grow, is preach yourself the gospel every day. And then secondly, 
grow in godliness every day. Work at your spiritual growth. Give it your all. Sweat and push and strain toward godliness. Every single day, give it all that you've got. Practically, this might mean, if you're here with us at Northridge, it might mean you need to get into a community room. If you're gonna really strain at this, you've claimed you're too busy, but if you're gonna strain at this, we're convinced that you can't grow spiritually unless you connect relationally. And this is the best time of year to get into a group. They start in two weeks. You can check the box on the bottom of your connection card or click the connect tab online. We would love to get you into a group. Maybe you need to get into a group. Or maybe you need to start serving in the local church. Man, I, I struggle to believe that people say that they serve God and they love him when they don't serve the group of people that Jesus said he gave his life for. Serve in the local church. If you need to do that, you can check again. Check that box. Go on the connect tab and we can get you starting to serve. Maybe you need to start engaging with your Bible. I mean, God revealed himself in a book. Why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we read it, right? But maybe you don't know how to do that. That's totally fine. We want to help you. It, it, again, that, that box, you can check the Equip weekly email. This Tuesday, you'll get an email that will have some basics of how to begin reading your Bible. We want to help you with that. Talk to the person who brought you or your community group leader of the group that you're in now because you signed up just now. Work at your spiritual growth. Kill the sin in your life. Kill it before it gets you. Get aggressive with your spiritual growth. In fact, Paul, that leader, wrote this in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace can increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? He's saying, look, I get it. Someone might think if God's grace is just going to keep covering it, then I'm going to keep sinning and ask for forgiveness later. But he's saying, look, no way. You are dead to sin. You can't keep doing that. You gotta work at godliness every single day. Kill sin in your life. Get aggressive. Get active. But, but, you have to remember and keep the spoiler in mind. You are already forgiven. This process has a guarantee. So what do you need to do? Have you ever placed your faith in Jesus? Maybe this morning it can be the time that you do that. We'd love to help you take that step. It's an unbelievable contract with a guarantee that you can't imagine of eternity with God. But maybe you're here and you've already done that. And so this week you need to take an active step toward reminding yourself, telling yourself, informing yourself of truth. And then choosing to invest your whole energy into the process of becoming more like Jesus. Because sanctification, it is a process but it's a process with a guarantee. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you gave us a guarantee. You didn't have to do that. Um, you could have let us flounder on our own to attempt to earn our way to you, scratch and claw and dig and attempt. But instead, you allowed your son to die in our place, which gives us so much freedom. And I pray that you'd help us to remember that, that we wouldn't spend one more day trying to earn the love you've already given us, but instead we would rest in it and give our absolute best to pleasing you because of what you've already done. In Jesus' name, amen.